This is Radio Maria England, and we now present Women Together. Today in the studio, we have Genevieve Wedgeberry and Janice Randall and me, Helena, at the keyboard. It's not the keyboard, it's the digital board, but here we are. Thank you for joining us. Have you ever thought about doing something completely wild and wonderful, but then common sense, in inverted commas, kicks in? Well, today we're going to be hearing from Sarah, who with her partner took the decision pre-COVID to sell their house, buy a camper van and tour Europe for a year with only the scantiest of plans. This was going to be about living life one day at a time. So my question for you do we need more schutzpah to live out Jesus's calling for us to have an abundant life? What do you think? Is it okay to do something a bit wild occasionally? Do we make God too tame? And how do we discern what's reckless and what might just be an opportunity to step out and experience God in new ways? Text us or call in now to be part of the Women Together debate live on Thursday, the 22nd of April, after we hear from Sarah in just a moment. The number to call is 02037-818-423. You can also text or WhatsApp a message to 07502-385-010. Well, welcome to our second episode of Women Together Series 2. As Helena has just said, I am your host, Genevieve Wedgbury, and we are joined by our wonderful Women Together team, our producer, Helena, and this week we have Janice with us. Welcome back, Janice. Hi. And this is Janice's first first uh, live show as well. So We're broadcasting live today, Thursday, 22nd of April, in the Radio Maria England studios. And this episode will be repeated Friday, 9pm, Saturdays, 7.30am, Sundays, 5pm and Wednesdays, 2 o'clock in the morning. The remit of Women Together is to help empower women to live in the fullness of who they are in Christ. St Irenaeus said, The glory of God is man fully alive. And Christ himself said, I am come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So let's face it, as women with all the trials and tribulations it brings together, we have an exciting series hearing some amazing stories from ordinary women who've done extraordinary things with a focus on entrepreneurship and the power of the human spirit. So now to today's episode. Oh, we're going to be hearing from Sarah, our guest for today, on her life-changing decision to sell her home and travel Europe for a year. So what led her to make such a drastic move? And was it like six months into her trip of a lifetime to find herself in the middle of a pandemic and being far from home? What was that like? Well, listen in to find out. Here we go. Thank you so much for being on Women Together for Radio Maria England. And just to say a little bit about you, you are a senior manager for a a top hairdressing salon in Cambridge. I think we can 
leave it at that. And that's somewhere you've been working for, I think it's 20 odd years now. It is. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, and yes, I've been I've been working there for about about 23 years now. My goodness, that is, that so is a, a long time. They must feel like a family now, everyone, they, everyone there and, you know. They do. Yes, definitely. They're a massive part of my life. Um, yeah, I'm very grateful. Now, I'm sure I'm not just speaking for myself that during lockdown, during COVID, obviously hairdressing appointments are uh, one thing amongst many that have been cancelled. Um, and uh, my hair is really, really dry at the ends, um, to say the least. Can you give any sort of are there any quick tips you can give people for keeping their hair in in good condition while we're still battling with with, uh, you know, perhaps having to isolate or shield and not being able to get to our usual hairdressing appointments? Mm, I think it's really important to um, maybe just get some really good quality shampoo and conditioner and some serums um, and even masks to put on your hair. Um, and not to blow dry your hair too much or style your hair too much while you're in the lockdown, because obviously that will that will keep it in better condition because we're not using the heat, the heat products on it. Mm. Um, so I think just nourishing in it, um, leaving the conditioners in or the masks for a long period of time, because obviously we've got a lot of time on our hands um, and just generally keeping the, the condition really nice. Well, I have to remember that masks and serums. I've got the shampoo and conditioner, but I have to say I'm not so good on the masks and serums. And I think that that's what I need to invest in. So, yeah, <laughs> I'll have to have to have a look at that. Now, um, the reason why we're hearing from Sarah is because she did something quite extraordinary. And I'm sure it's something that we've all thought of, dreamt of, and that is selling up and doing something completely outrageous um like selling your house and buying a camper van buying a mobile home and traveling around Europe for six months and that's what you and your partner actually did Sarah you did it you didn't just talk we did no we did it you did it we did it so Um, yeah yes yeah go on yes Can can you take us back to what were the circumstances that sort of propelled you to to do something so so radical and so exciting uh so um basically we bought a house um we renovated our house and we were planning to have a family um and unfortunately circumstances and events um unfortunately we wasn't able to have children um which was quite you know quite a devastating time for us um so it it was that really that made us think about our future quite differently. Um, it took a while to get to the to the stage of actually going to traveling, but um, we uh, yeah we that was the, the 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 main reason why we thought we'd go and do something completely different, completely amazing, um, and just change the direction of our future really in a in a positive in a positive way. I know that the experience of infertility is one that where you feel very out of control because there are circumstances that you have no control over. So was there something about this that this was about, you know, well, we're actually we're going to take charge of our of our destiny. We're not going to be victims here. Um, we're going to go out and do something really proactive. Yeah, I think I think you, you're so right there. It's it's not being a victim of it and literally trying to to see some positive in a very and, and some light in a very dark tunnel 
Um, so it was really, uh, we were at the crossroads where we could, you know, we tried many avenues to have children um, and we were at the crossroads and we were just, well, what do we do now? We've got this lovely big house. Uh, we, we got a room ready to have a nursery in it. And, and what, what do we do? Do we, do we just stay in this, you know, what can be, it, being in the house was quite, it could be quite sad at times. So mm. we, we just, we just had to change. We had to change everything and go and do something completely out of our comfort zone and really look just to make us, um, I don't know, regroup um to rejuvenate our minds again and look at doing something that would be for us um as a couple um and not to have um you know have the children on our mind all the time just to go and see different places meet different people and just completely come out of our normal working and normal life really and was the travelling something that you'd always wanted to do? Was it something that you'd had conversations about before? And, you know, how did that seed start to really take root and, and grow that, that that's what you were going to do? Oh, I've always loved travelling, always loved going on holiday. I'd never, ever taken a long period of time off to go travelling. I'd always done my two week holiday or my week holiday. But Paul, my other half, has travelled a lot. He He's lived in lots of different countries. So I was always drawn to his experiences of this. Um, and it's something that we'd, we definitely had a love together to do. So we'd always spoken about it. And it'd always be, oh, we'll, we'll do that someday. Or, oh, we'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll go there. Um, so the seed was really planted from really Paul's experiences of travelling for a, a long period of time. Mm. Um, so that's where it originally sort of come from but it was always we were always like oh we'll do that one day or we'll do that when we retire or so we we'd we'd sort of we'd been building on it and then with the 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 drasticness of not being able to have children we thought you know well what are we waiting for why we haven't got the children why don't we go and experience something together and we wanted to take our dog so you know, we had to, we didn't, we looked into going to further afield and it was going to cost so much money just to get our dog out there because he's part of our family. Um, so we thought, well, we could travel around Europe for a, for a longer period of time and take him with us. So he came on the adventure with us. Wow. <laughs> Lucky him, he must be the most well-travelled dog in the whole world. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely well-travelled now. <laughs> Can you remember the actual moment? Because it's such a big decision to say we're actually going to sell our house and you know for many people where they live that represents their their security um can you remember the moment where you actually thought oh my goodness we've actually just decided to do this uh, I, yeah I can actually we were at home we'd had dinner and we'd been talking about it for a long time and I and I just said to Paul I think we've got to do this Paul and then suddenly I think sometimes it's the making the decision is the actual hardest hardest thing to do and once you've made that decision uh and we're we're people as a uh, as couples once we've made a decision we're gonna we're gonna go for it we're gonna stick to it and go for it and i think that night we just we made the decision and we thought yeah let's start looking into this let's do this um wow. let's see let's see if it's possible you have to you know you do have to work these things out financially um and you also have to, you know, I had to speak to my boss because I didn't want to leave my job, but I wanted to have 
basically a sabbatical. So my first port of call was to speak to my boss and to see if that could be possible. And I was very grateful. He was very understanding. Like the whole team, they've been wonderful throughout all of this. Um, and yeah, I was allowed to take that time off and and knew I had a job to go back to. So I was very, very lucky in that respect. I guess that's probably when you've been somewhere for so long, then, you know, you've really built up that that relationship, which I'm sure helps in a circumstance that you found yourself in. Yes, definitely. I think the, the loyalty um, is there. And I think my boss understood and, and so did my work colleagues that, you know, it wasn't about that I didn't want to, you know, be at work. I just mm. needed to have this time out just to reprocess and 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 look at my look at our future very differently. Mm. Um, and, and just go and have some fun. I think everything had been quite serious for so long with trying to have the children um, that you actually just needed to to go and have fun and, and go and enjoy life again and you know put that that happiness back into yourself. It's interesting, but sometimes I think we can, you know, sometimes think that when we're faced with a difficult situation, we need to be really intensely looking at it and try and solve it. When in fact, as you said, sometimes taking time out, having fun, getting a different perspective, that actually enables us, it seems to unlock something and actually in, it enables us to see our circumstances in a much healthier light. I yeah I agree I I totally agree with you it, I think it really does and I think it took me personally quite a long time to get to that point um you know so it 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 took a long time to get to that point and then yeah once you've yeah once you've yeah done that in your mind um yeah I think just going forwards it does change your perspective very much it's very courageous, Sarah. That's what I think. And I think it must make you very resilient because there must be a part of you that feels like, well, I can kind of cope with what life throws at me because I know now what, what it's like to have always maybe had one picture in my head of this is how my life is going to be. And I've been able to to get past that. And I've and I've been OK on the other side. Yeah, I think I think we all have these these images and these pictures of how we want it all to go but then suddenly we're faced with you know different circumstances and events that change that um and I think it yeah it just it it does make you more resilient although it has you know it's taken me a long time to get to this point and a lot of you know a lot of help from family and friends and and counseling as well that's that helped a lot mm. um so you know I was very grateful for that um, and I was a person that probably steer cleared of counselling and thought, well, I would never need that. I never need that. I'm very strong. But actually, sometimes we do need we do need that help from somebody that's not actually connected to your family and friends. I think talking to somebody um, who, who doesn't really know you that well really does really does help. And somebody trained in that profession really yeah. makes you see things very differently and I was very grateful for that because I think that was a turning point for me as well. Mm. If you're just tuning in you're listening to Women Together on Radio Maria England and I am privileged to be speaking to Sarah and Sarah is talking to us about the life circumstances namely uh, not being able to have children with her long-term partner which actually 
it was the catalyst for her doing something extraordinary, which was selling her house and traveling around Europe for six months. Sarah, what was the reaction of your closest family and friends when you said, we've made this decision, this is what we're going to do? Uh, quite a lot of people were very shocked. <laughs> um, and I think some people did think we were, we were a bit crazy for selling our house as well. Um, so I did get a very mixed uh, reaction from people. And, and I'm, a very, I'm a very home person. So I think to say to people, I'm actually selling the house, quitting our jobs, <laughs> and we're going to go. I think they thought, oh, my God, Sarah's gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> did that just make you stronger and sort of more determined like well you know I'm definitely going to do it now sort of thing or did you did you sort of make or did it make you waver a little bit am I doing the I mean, right thing yeah I mean definitely there were days where I was thinking oh my gosh are we doing the right thing here and I'd come home and speak to Paul and say do you, do you think we're doing the right thing here um because people do people's opinions they do they do affect you in some ways but then you know you think well, actually, if I don't do this now, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. Um, so I think that was always on my mind. If I don't do it now, I'm going to regret not doing it. So I've got to give it, let's just give it our best shot. Um, because you can always buy another house. Um, you can, you can, you know, you can get another job. So at that time, COVID hadn't hit. So things were a lot easier to think about. Um, so, yes, yeah. <laughs> I think actually just thinking about it, in some ways it's good maybe when people challenge because it forces you to ask the hard question, am I really doing the right thing? And then, you know, and then when you still come to the same conclusion, no, actually, I feel this is the time now and I can get another job, I can get a new house. So then you were probably able to actually, you know, go into that trip very confidently. Mm. So Sarah, yeah, tell us... Tell us about some of the countries that you visited and and also what the highlights were and some of the things that you you really learned from this trip. Um, so we we were going to do it for a year, but unfortunately, because of COVID here, we we done about six months. So um, we were taking it quite slowly in the first six months. And then the other half, we were going to go and visit a lot more countries. But obviously, we did have to stop because of COVID um so we 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 took took the van through france um we traveled all on the coast so we hugged the coastline as much as possible um so we done france spain portugal and we were heading to italy um i think the highlights for me and for paul as well was the pyrenees mountains we absolutely loved both sides the spanish and the french pyrenees mountains um, I'd never actually been in, into mountains like that before, so it was a whole new experience for me. And I, I just fell in love with them, and I just, I absolutely loved it. It was just exhilarating being up there, so high, and especially the Spanish Pyrenees because they were covered in snow. We went to a ski resort for for a few days, and yeah, it just absolutely blew blew me away. Um, and the people we met along along the journey. Um, was just wonderful, like-minded people that had done exactly the same as us. So it was really lovely to um, to chat to people that actually, yeah, did did exactly what we've done, and uh, we wasn't the only mad ones around. <laughs> <laughs> did you find with the people you spoke to that they had had similar? There'd been sort of say a major life event that had made them rethink things, or did you meet people who were just like, well, you know, just why not? Life life is too short. 
Yeah, I think we, we met a mixture of people. I think there had been uh, situations in some people's lives where they had, I think they'd got sick, then they got better and they thought, you know, life's too short. Let's just go and do this now. Let's not wait till we're retired. Um, and some people just thought, well, they'd done well in their businesses. They sold their businesses and thought, let's go and um, experience some of the some of the world. So it was a real mixture of people. Um, but it was just, yeah, it was just lovely to meet these people because I, I would never have met these people. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've kept in contact with some of them. So it's been it's been really lovely. And uh, I, I don't quite know where, you know, you are from a faith perspective, but did because one of the things I know about your experience is that you tried not to plan things too much. So it was quite like, well, we're just going to see because I, I think I remember you saying people keep saying, what are you going to be doing for Christmas? And you didn't know exactly what you'd be doing for Christmas. You wanted to keep that sort of air of kind of spontaneity. So, you know, you were living in a very different way. Did this experience of, you know, living more day to day, seeing amazing things like like the Pyrenees, did did that sort of make you think, you know, uh, about faith things at all or not really? Um, I think living the simple life did, did, did make me think and question a lot of things about the way we've we have been living I think uh the spontaneousness of it was wonderful um and not you know being governed by a routine and with an appointment system like I do all day long um I found it I just found it very freeing um from a faith point of view I I all I I'm not I'm not religious, but I always do believe in the power of the universe. Um, and I'm always saying the angels are looking after me. Um, so from that respect, I felt like we was well looked after on our journey um, from powers that be. Um, so I don't know if that if that answers mm, the question mm. there. Yeah. And did you feel do you feel you're a different Sarah now, having having come back to the Sarah that that went there and have other people noticed a change in you as well? I I think I think I'm a different different Sarah in a, in a much positive way. I think it's opened my eyes up to what is out there and what you actually can do. Um you, when you put your mind to it, you you can really do anything you want to within, you know, uh, if you have a list and you put some goals down and just go for it, I think. And my advice would be to people to if you're if you're wanting to do something, whether it is traveling or not, just uh, give it a try, because you never know you could succeed and it can be the most the, the most wonderful thing you've ever done. And, and I am so grateful for for doing that. And I think it definitely definitely has put me on a different perspective on life. And as a couple, we we look at things quite differently. You know, we think, well, if we can do that, then we can do this. <laughs> mm. So maybe it's sort of expanded your horizons. It's sort of broadened your your outlook and, you know, encouraged more of just that can do. And, you know, why not? Why can't we do this? Or makes mm. you think perhaps that, that more is possible than maybe you Def would have thought thought before. Definitely, definitely. I, I definitely think that. And in, in the first part of the trip, unfortunately, Paul... We had we had some issues with the um, the weight of the vehicle um, and we had to upgrade it. And unfortunately, Paul couldn't drive the vehicle for for a while until he passed. He's six months younger than me, so he didn't have the C1 on his license. So 
I had to drive the motor home oh, um, gosh. for quite a few months, first of all. And, and I never would have driven a, a, a four-ton vehicle, seven and a half metres long up the Pyrenees Mountains <laughs> before Oh, then. my goodness. I'd be I absolutely terrified. I know. Well, I, I would have been. And it was only a case of because I had to do it. Otherwise, we'd had to delay the trip. That, yeah. Um, that you just think, well, I've got, I've got, I've got to do this because we've 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 invested so much time and money into this. Um, I've got to get in that driver's seat and drive it and just go for it. <laughs> so yeah, so, so you really realise things about yourself that you think, goodness me, I never would have seen myself doing that, but oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would. Go, yeah. Sarah. When I look when I look back, I think, oh my gosh, how did I get off that Eurostar train and and just drive? <laughs> but you do, you just. You do, you do it as a team. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to have done it without Paul sitting beside me. Mm. You do it as a team together and uh, you just take each day as it comes and then get over the obstacles that you, you're, you're faced with. I mean, obviously, for some people, when, you know, life circumstances become very challenging, that can really take its toll on a relationship. But obviously, this experience, as you said, doing something that was just about you two as a couple it must have drawn you incredibly close together. Definitely. I think uh, living in a small space for a long period of time does test your relationship. <laughs> um, and I won't lie, we did have our moments, but we, on the whole, generally, we're, we're definitely stronger for it. Definitely. Mm. Yes. Very, very grateful in that respect. And you've touched upon, of course, you know, the fact that you were traveling and at the time you were traveling, suddenly there was all across the news, this coronavirus that was spreading from country to country. What was that like being, you know, far from home, far from friends and family and hearing these things on the news? It must have been a very surreal and presumably quite, quite scary as well. It was. Um, first of all, we heard about it and we didn't really think much of it. I think like everybody, everybody did. And then suddenly it became apparent that actually something was going on in Italy and it was we were heading to Italy and um, they were shutting down regions in Italy. And that's when it really did sort of we had to put the brakes on and literally we stayed up in just north of Barcelona uh, and we just thought, oh, we'll stay here for a couple of weeks and we'll just just see how things go. I'm sure it's going to you know, get better. But obviously, unfortunately, it, it got worse and worse and uh, decisions had to be made. So we I think it was very scary at that point to be so far away from home and your own hospitals mm. um, that, and your family. Um, we've had we've got this big vehicle. There was just us two and our dog. If we got sick what would we do? So we had to fire all these questions at each other um, and sadly had to come to the conclusion that we needed to get home and they were shutting the borders. So we just we just thought, yeah, we've, we've got to get home. Um, and we just made the mad dash to get home. I mean, I, I wonder if in a sense, because you'd already in a way got used to making really big decisions and just living day to day, that in some ways, maybe that disappointment that you could have felt was kind of tempered by, well, you know, this is just life. And now we're having to make another sort of unexpected decision. But, you know, you've just got to do what 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 what's wise and what's best in circumstances like mm. that. But you must have been very disappointed as well. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, I won't lie. I was just I was I was crying. I was so upset because we knew 
that this obviously this was getting serious, this COVID, and we knew that we probably are not going to be able to continue. So I think, yeah, I was very upset. And I just there was there was a part of me in the in that that week or so where I just felt quite, quite low. And I thought, oh, gosh, another blow, another another thing we've got to contend with. But I think, you know, talking to friends and, you know, family, you just have to pull yourself together and think, right, come on, we've got to make this decision. You know, we're we're grateful. You've got to, we always I always try and think the things I'm grateful for. And it's sometimes very difficult, you know, when you're feeling quite sad to dig deep and feel grateful for everything that you've got. But I think that is the key to to carrying on, really, just being grateful for everything that you do have and 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 feeling yeah feeling lucky i think you're so right and uh, i was reading an article the other day with a uh, a man who was saying he was talking about this time in his life when his father passed away and he kept on thinking things couldn't get any worse and then there was like a series of things and then he was like oh my goodness i should have been grateful when i was in that place because i didn't think things could get any worse but they but they did so it's like you know always being grateful that you know, there are always worse things that can happen. So yes, being being grateful for, for what you have. You know, now being back in the UK, do you have any plans to do the part of the tour that you, you didn't get to do? Or have you just thought, you know what, we did that and now we're in another chapter again? Um, I think we're in another chapter at the moment. We are currently um, buying a new house. Um, so we're hoping to complete on that soon um we've both i've got my job back um paul's got a new job and he's really happy so at the time at this moment in time i think we're going to stay put <laughs> um but i will definitely i've got six more months to do so at some point we definitely will continue the six months maybe we'll break it up into three month sections um and and continue it so i definitely will we definitely will continue what we uh what we started but this time I won't we probably won't sell our house because <laughs> just in case there's a global pandemic again <laughs> we uh, at least we'll have a proper we'll have a property to come back to so uh, yeah we, we will continue at some point. And just drawing from from some of the things that you've highlighted uh, in our conversation that you know for anyone who's listening who might be going through a very you know, traumatic time of their own, whether that's infertility or something else. Um, you know, just drawing on what you've said, that you found speaking to a counsellor incredibly helpful, uh, and also really doing something for yourself or your something as a couple, something for yourselves as a couple or as a family or whatever it is, and doing something completely different and allowing that experience to to just change your perspective and perhaps just rediscover the beauty and joy of life. Mm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's it. It's, it's rediscovering the the beauty and the joy. I think because it can get, you know, trodden down by all the grief that you're dealing with, um, of the circumstances and events that you're going through. And I, I think definitely talking to people helps, whether it is a, a close family member or a really good best friend um, or even a counsellor. I think definitely getting the help and talking to people and knowing that you're not alone in these circumstances, uh, whatever that would be, um, you know, has helped me immensely. Um, and going forward, you know, I'd like to, you know, help people where I can with, 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 you know, 
infertility or you know just supporting women in in going through that well that's wonderful and thank you so much for being part of our show today um and uh, i'm sure your story will be such an encouragement and an inspiration and they can hear how just happy and light that you know that that you sound now so you've obviously been doing something right and um we will certainly be <laughs> be praying um, for this next stage of your journey, that it's really full of many, many blessings for you both, Sarah. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Goodness me, so much to say there. Where do we start? But I'll tell you where I am going to start. And that is to say thank you so much to all the listeners who have been encouraging us uh, through our social media. So Lindsay Edwards. Lindsay Edwards was actually a guest in Series 1. Thank you very much. And uh, Arine Shazad, Bridget O'Meara, Chris Bartlett. That's all from Facebook. Mary Cambridge as well. And then from our Instagram, Francisco Villalba. Uh, I think we uh, had the clapping hand symbol from uh, from him. So thank you. And Victoria Duggan. Thank you very much. And I do apologise if I've mispronounced anyone's names. Um, but uh, thank you anyway. So I hope you enjoyed um, that interview with Sarah. Ladies, any any first initial thoughts coming coming from that? I was very interested in that because one of our uncles uh, sold their house and went in a camper van and lived in it for several years. In fact, he's now 80. They just found it so wonderful to just drive around talking to people. So it was a great idea. <laughs> Definitely. My my father has always said, because I'm one of six, and he said, when I retire... Your mom and I are going to get into an RV and we're just going to travel from grandchild to grandchild to grandchild to, to visit. And they're not quite there yet, but ah, there's such an excitement at moving around and not knowing and living spontaneously. It is scary. I, I do have a fear of it. And, mm. I think if you, if you don't have children, then you have a long time of life. I know people didn't want to be a teacher the whole time. You know, is that my life? Is that the whole lot? Uh, so you have to create some variety and uh, I think it's good to you have to do something exciting. Don't wait till you're 70 and then you can't manage so much so well. <laughs> I think it's all decided then. We're all going to follow suit and, uh, you know, get those get those camper vans when life allows and uh, go, go travelling around again. But in all seriousness, um, have we ever found ourselves in times where we've... Well, firstly, do you think that every single person gets to a point in life where they're suddenly confronted with the reality that it hasn't gone exactly according to the the picture they had in their heads of how their life was going to unfold. I would have thought very few people live life as you might have expected. When you're 20, you cannot imagine what's coming. And a lot of it's a great surprise. Definitely, definitely. My son's eight year old. He he's like, I just I just want to be. I don't want to have children because they cost too much money, and I want to be a famous artist. <laughs> but will he sit down and actually do the work? It, it, no. So who knows? Who knows? The exciting thing is walking through it. You know, mm. especially if you're a Christian, you're walking with the Lord. But in any case, you're meeting people all the time, and the COVID has shown us how interconnected we are and how much we need those conversations every day. People have missed it so much. Yeah. 
Do you um, ha- have either of you, you know, reached those sort of pivotal moments, those crossroads where you've thought, okay, right, you know, now we've got to, you know, we've got to make a quite a quite a big change. I mean, for me, I think of actually going to drama school. I think that was a really really big change in my life, and it was amazing because I'd been working um after university for three and a half years at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art which was amazing and then I was you know desperate to to get into drama school and tried and failed and tried and failed and tried and failed and then tried and yes I got a place um to do a master's at Drama Centre London but I was aware that all of a sudden I was going to be doing you know um taking a quite a different path in in life because obviously uh, the path of uh, performing um, doesn't have the security. And I was in a regular Monday to Friday job and I, you know, I was on the payroll and I sort of had all of that. So it did feel like I was, I was suddenly going to be doing life quite differently. And when I came out of drama school, again, I was confronted with the same thing that actually I was offered a job um, as an assistant box office manager, um, which I turned down in favour of just more more casual work because I wanted to have, I wanted to make myself um, uh, available. Uh, but yeah, so that was, you know, choosing to do something quite, quite risky. Do you think as people you're risk averse or do you embrace, embrace the adventure? When we were 50, Ian got the opportunity to possibly go and um, teach in a college in Prague and the children were gone. They were working nearby, you know, teaching. Um, And so, you know, we we sold a house, bought a flat and spent the next, actually it lasted about 14 to 21 years of being involved in that different cultures, like Sarah said. But I never would have missed that if we'd stayed, we could have stayed in our house. But we would have missed meeting those people, you know, from all these different countries and the attitudes are different, the heads are different, the way they've been brought up, they value family in a different way. I couldn't, just couldn't have missed that. No. I, I, I think of myself as risk averse, but I, looking back, I, I, I have taken... Uh, so after graduate school, it was, all right, we're done. You've got your theatre degree. Now, now what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't want, I want Chicago or something like that. But there, a, a, an internship turned up in my email box. And I was like, oh, oh, New York? What? And then I mentioned it to somebody and he said, let's go to New York. But we weren't even that close of friends. And then this other guy that went, uh, so the first guy was Roger. The, the second guy was Jordan. And he was a film guy. And I... He, he was a very handsome young man. Um, and he said, I want to move to New York too. And, and that was, I don't know, for some reason, I was like, all right, we're moving to New York. Me and these two guys that my family barely knew. I, I'd only done theatre productions with them. So it was like, ah. And then I, there I went eight years later. We, I was trying for another role uh, as a theatre director of the new, um, theatre went very well in New York. But then it was, do I want, I had, Rowan at the time and so I had to scale things back because there was just so much to do with the kids and I had my own theatre company Ugh. and I had gotten denied a role of an artistic director for a children's theatre near my house which there wasn't that many good children's theatre places all over my house so anyway and I said aha this is a sign I'm pregnant with number two I, I can't have it easy here Let's move to England. So we packed up everything. We sold everything. We only came in our suitcases. I didn't have a job coming over here. Uh, Robert did, but it was like, ah. 
So here I am. Oh, who knows? I, I, I am risk averse, but am I risk averse? And I don't know. But to, to discern it, in both instances, there was this f- warm feeling of just go on, Helena, go on. And usually I'm very much, I look at all the angles and all the angles. And if it just is that, if I feel that, I'm like, oh, that must be the good old Holy Spirit. She's saying, Helena, just do it. And and every, uh, knock on wood, every time I've listened to her, it, it's been okay. And, and so so I think I've been blessed with discerning correctly. Like, oh, oh, think, 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 think. But then when this whoosh, it's, oh, you got to follow it. You just got to follow it. The Quakers say, follow your peace. That's quite a good, I often think of oh. that. You know, if it, if it feels right, just let it be. And if it opens up, then you can go with it. Mm. And definitely looking at your motivations for, for things, I think is really important as well. Sometimes, you know, obviously we might be inclined to just do something a bit reckless just for the sake of it, which may not be such a good thing. Um, or maybe, you know, we're sort of really ambitious or whatever it is. So I think doing that, having definitely doing some kind of self-reflection and thinking, well, what are the reasons for doing this? And I think that really came out with uh, Sarah, that obviously this was born out of, um, you know, quite a tragic time for her and her partner. But they did do that groundwork of of thinking, you know, why why do we want to do that? Why do we want to do this? And, and actually the reasons were were very sound, um, I mean, do you think we could all be a bit, a bit braver? Because God is, sometimes I think maybe people think that Christians maybe uh, it's sort of all about playing life quite safe, um, when in fact God is is wild. Um, and actually, just thinking back to the funeral of Prince Philip and the wonderful reading um, from uh, Ecclesiasticus, uh, Sirach. Um, which talks about the God of nature and the wonders of God in nature. And nature is, is certainly pretty wild. So God, God has a wild side. Um, do you think we can, we can sort of tame God a bit too much and maybe we can, we can all be a, a bit more wild in our, in our walk with Christ? I think personality has quite a lot to do with it. Some people just like security, but, you know, if you, um, Sarah used the expression out of your comfort zone, and that's a big challenge. I think people are always challenging the, the Christian young people. You just move out of your comfort zone. Don't just sit there for the rest of your life, you know, take a risk. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think we need to take risks. God is a big, big risk taker, wants, wants us to take risks. And for you young people that are listening, I, I consider all us ladies here young as well. But for those <laughs> of you that are just finishing up college or or are taking a break from university, perhaps take some time to pray about it. But perhaps with this pandemic, closing off and making the next school year uh, a bit very much different than what it might be when it's more opened up. Perhaps this is an opportunity to do some mission work or take that gap year, discover yourself or discover who you are in serving others. There are so many opportunities through the Ignite the Ignite team in East Anglia, Youth 2000. I believe it was the Diocese of Leeds just the other day is posting, hey, take this next year and build yourself up with a community of God to find out who you can be to serve others. And then after that year, imagine how much uh, stronger of a foundation you'll have going into university. So maybe go. <laughs> and those are wild years. Those The Ignite team can be pretty, <laughs> pretty wild with their pilgrimages. And, and the missionaries go all around the world. So 
Uh, Christians might seem like they play by the rules, but I think I think if you dig deep enough, you'll find a lot of wild, wild Christians. A, a British person shows up very well abroad. You know, they've got little bits of art, little bits of music. They've got. If you just go and you're going to end up teaching some African children or something, you've got lots of skills. You might seem ordinary here, but you ain't ordinary if you go abroad. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think um, that, yeah, that many Christians, absolutely, Helena, as you say, they are really wild because I think sometimes in life, perhaps sort of in a worldly sense, we can have a perception of what wild is. But I think when you're following God, um, there's actually a wonderful image. Uh, it's such a pity now that this is radio and I can't show you the picture. Oh, we can put it on our Facebook page. We can put uh, it yeah, it's so funny because it's um, it's it, it's it, it's two children and they're on like this crazy kind of roller co coaster. And one of the children is meant to be the Holy Spirit. And then there's this child looking absolutely kind of completely freaked out. And it's like, Holy Spirit, me kind of thing. And I think this is sometimes <laughs> what it's like because, you know, you're like, oh my goodness, God, sort of, what are you doing? You know, where are you? Where are you taking me? Where am I going? This is all crazy. I can't make sense of anything. But that's kind of really living, living an ad adventure because it forces us to, to rely more on God. I think that's the thing. And, and this is another interesting question when it comes to discernment, because obviously we know that we have this amazing well uh, of treasure here in, here in Scripture. And, and we look to Scripture for wisdom, um, as it says in, in Romans uh, 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. But... He's not going to come down and say, you know what, I guarantee Helena or I guarantee Janice, if you do, you know, if you follow that that course, everything's going to be hunky-dory and it's going to be a walk in the park and you're not going to have any problems at, at all. He doesn't say that, no, does there's he? There's no signed guarantees. With <laughs> well, there might be. We just He just doesn't let us know it. And it's like, oh. Um, I do think it does take time and practice to discern as well uh it it's it's uh, it's so easy to go well i prayed for it I, I i slept on it there we go it takes practice of one building that relationship with god learning how to talk to him learning how to hear what he's sharing with you because there's a lot of your own mind is up there chatting away sharing a lot to clear your thoughts so that you can let his thoughts his will just speak to you, at least ask you the questions or to open his hand out to you. It takes practice. It takes. So if you, at any age, practice now taking that time to listen, at clear your thoughts, clear the the time to listen and imagine, imagine, oh, then you'll have to be afraid. Oh, no, wait, wait, I finally heard it. But no, oh, my goodness, <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> exactly. I think, I think it's good to talk to your friends as well if you've got a major decision, especially if you're in a church and you have maybe a prayer group or uh, don't ask your parents, don't ask your mother if should I go travelling around the world. She won't say what <laughs> a good idea. But if you, you know, you need to be with praying friends as well, um, just to, to feel how the thing is going to go. Yeah, if you feel like you can't ask your friends about this, then it's probably uh, the answer is no, don't do it. If, if you can't even ask your friends about it. And there is a difference to being wild just for yourself or being wild to serve other people, as you're suggesting on these teams to go and help others. 
another thing I think that came out from uh, the interview with with Sarah um, is, you know, actually talking about idols, that it's very easy in life. Um, you know, there are certain rites of passage that maybe we can all get hung up on something. Maybe it's the career we've always wanted. Um, but perhaps we experience that doors aren't opening to something. And, you know, that it's very easy for things to become all all consuming and the joys of every day. And, you know, she 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 spoke about the, the, the simple life, the liberation of the simple life and actually making this change allowed her to experience that again, because sometimes if we're going through a hard time, you know, our, our thoughts can just become consumed with with X, whatever X is. Um, and actually making that change liberated her to take one day at a time. And that's actually what what Christ encourages us to do. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. It, it's kind of hard to do that. You know, that is much easier, easier said than done. Uh, it always takes illness for me to take one day at a time. I'm always planning and it just takes uh, my husband starting the, or or one of the kids getting sick where it's like, I had all of these plans, but here we go. Here we go. And it also, it, it always, not to say that God is making my husband sick or anything like that, but it, it does help. It does slow me down and it, and in a way it helps build me up also, even though I've had these plans for myself, I'm now supporting someone else or supporting the family or or having to support myself during these times. And it does. You do need to take your time and go back to what's really the simple things, the mm. important things. Janice, when you're in Prague, did you have anyone who, you know, any close family and friends who sort of questioned your decision to do that? Or was there just generally a lot of support? And yeah, this is great. What a fantastic experience. No, I think it was fine. My mother was very generous. She said, that's fine. <laughs> you know, oh, there you go. You go. Um, no, it was just it was suitable to have a change of change. Of, you don't want to teach in the same college forever. You know, a, a change. It was seconded. So that was fine. So we were able to come back, you know, to similar. So we weren't cutting off everything and the children were independent. So. Um, I think you have to consider your your dependents. If you have children or old people, you have to consider who else it's affecting. But they were quite happy for us to go. Mm. Yes, what it did you? affect the whole of our life because the girls married foreigners because we were out there, <laughs> and they came and met young men. <laughs> so they're abroad. So there has been a permanent uh, effect. Mm. Have you ever been told no, Genevieve? Like, oh, that's not a good idea, or oh, maybe you should rethink that. Yeah, I, I I think so. I mean, definitely with um, when when I think of my creative journey, and actually when I when I look back, I, I do look back and think, oh, you know, was I always um, as wise as I as I could have been? And the answer is definitely no. I definitely wasn't always as wise as I as I could have been. And I think uh, it is really important um, to you know to have really good counsel. I think that's very important. People who you look up to. People whose opinions uh, you can you can trust. Uh, maybe they're in a similar profession or whatever, um, and you know who can who can help you. Because when you're young, you know um, you do often have that that schutzpah, and that's brilliant. You know, and no one wants to to dampen that down. But you're also in a in a position in a stage of life where I think you do need good counsel. Um, and uh, I mean, of course, it is very difficult with the with the creative arts. And he Helena, you will know all about this um in some ways it does feel the road less traveled um 
and actually it's knowing myself a lot more now i it's actually something i feel really passionate about um in terms of careers advice for young for young people um i speak to so many people who say goodness me the careers advice i had was terrible i mean it was so bad it was non-existent there were so many careers i didn't even know existed that you, you know that, that you could even do um, and one of the things that I think is really important is, I mean, for me, I really loved performing and I knew I was good at it. So it was like, well, you know, that would be a great thing for you to do. But something that I've really come to realise is that it, it, it's actually a, about a lot more than that. You have to think of the lifestyle that that goes with something. And actually, as life has unfolded, it's very clear to me that it's very important for me to be close to my immediate family. I'm very blessed uh, to be in that position and and close to my friends and my husband's the same. And actually, I don't think it was sort of in a way in my DNA to be wanting to, say, do a lot of touring and, you know, living perhaps a little bit more of a bohemian lifestyle. I, I like to be sort of settled and you know, in my home and sort of rooted and having this, you know, sense of connection and near and near to people around me. Um, so I didn't really think about that aspect of following a, a career in performing arts. I just sort of thought, well, I really enjoy that and I'm good at that. So I think really considering the lifestyle of something is really important when you when you think about career choices. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, when you're uh, so right now, we've got uh, when you're going through confirmation, you always choose a sponsor. And I always tell my ki the, the teenagers, listen, don't it can't be your parents and don't let it be your godparents. Choose someone that you're going to want to ask questions to as you get older. And I tell the parents, this is your chance, because when your kids get 16, 17, 18, they're not going to ask you for advice or, or even ask you, should I do this, mom? Because you're going to say no. Get parents, get a sponsor involved that will um, invest in them and that they can talk to. Because so many times you'll have an argument with, oh, clean your room, and they don't want to talk to you. So you can always say, well, go talk to your sponsor. Da, 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 da. And that's a, surrounding your children uh, and teenagers. Surround yourself with people that you can talk to, uh, uncles, nieces. Your friends' parents are great people to to get involved in your life and ask advice to and it's going to it's going to pay off in the end because you'll have that support you'll have those people that say yes or no but you'll have those people you can go to so definitely if you're listening and then getting ready choose a sp sponsor sponsors are super cool and, and important I agree. A, a good friendship bank and, and family bank and just lots of people to talk to is, is superb. And you do gain that by being in the Christian church. You get to know people. There's no social, you know, you know, the, the dustman and, and the doctor and everybody, you know, just the same. It's a wonderful advantage. And I would say to everyone, um, I remember the first time I we went to St. Bino's, which is the Jesuit uh, spirituality retreat center and encountered Ignatian spirituality and it's so useful and it's so simple um, and I remember the spiritual director when I was there saying that you know God and this goes hand in hand Janice with what you were saying about following the path of peace that God is often like a you know a gentle drip of water sort of soft and and gentle and you know the driving spirit is the not good spirit. And I don't know about you, but I often can feel driven, you know, driven. Um, and that's a real reminder for me just to take note of that 
um, and actually reflect, okay, well, what, what's going on here? Why, why am I feeling so driven? Like I've got to do this or I've got to do that, or, you know, there's something else going on there, but the character of God is often, you know, a, a peaceful, a peaceful drip, something much more gentle. And also really, really simply to ask yourself the question, to do that reflection, what what really brings you joy? You know, we all have those moments where it might just be like when some light comes in comes in through the window and those simple things or you or you smell a flower. And sometimes there are there are experiences you have in life which give you that feeling. They they really nourish your your soul. And Ignatian spirituality says, well, you want more of those things in in your life, more of the things that enrich you and bring you those those moments of peace and those moments of joy. Um, and actually the things that sort of fill you with anxiety or, or drain you, um, we want less of those things. So that, that that is just quite a simple and very tangible way for everyone um, to to learn a little bit more about the process of discernment. But I think now, as we're nearing the end, uh, Janice, you're going to lead us in prayer. Right, that's fine. Let's pray then. Loving Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for all that you've given to us, for relationships, for work, for pets, for friends. Thank you for the sense of caring that you look after us, that your angels are taking care. We thank you for the beauty and joy of life. We know that you want us to have life in all its fullness. Thank you that you've brought us through the crisis and Lord, we're grateful for every person who didn't catch it, for all our friends and those who've now recovered, we thank you. And so we pray, Lord, that you'll continue with Sarah, continue to lead her and guide her and her partner. Look after them. May she know your angels taking charge. We thank you and may we always have grateful hearts. Amen. 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 Yes, I love the way that Sarah is so grateful and that is definitely something we can take away. But now we hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We're so looking forward to being with you again next week when we'll be hearing from Janice again and her interview with Lynn's House in Cambridge, which is a very special community and Christian charity aimed at fostering friendships with young adults with learning disabilities, which is both challenging but also incredibly rewarding. So please join us for that. Today's episode will be repeated Friday at 9 p.m. Saturdays at 7.30 a.m. Sundays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 2 a.m. So until we're together again, God bless. Mm-hmm.